and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and we have a great guest tonight, Melissa Tittle. She has been, well, what a media background she has. She's been involved in all kinds of things, and uh, I'm really uh, glad to have her on this evening. I uh, saw her on with my uh, friend uh, Ben Hansen on a show or two, and I thought she would make a great guest, and so Ben connected me, and thank you, Ben, for that. A uh, couple of announcements, a uh, few behind-the-scenes things. First of all, we may be able to take phone calls. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do this tonight, but uh, with the new producer in uh, Utah for KGRA Radio, uh, we have a phone system there, which I just discovered today, so I'm pretty excited about that. Our blog this week is uh, part two, the Cosford UFO incident. Now, that took place in back in March of 1993 and England, and it's a real fascinating case. Many police officers involved. Uh, this is a UFO incident that was uh, repeated. So it's a really interesting blog by Charles Lear. Those get made into audio blogs, and they're up in our uh, audio uh, MP3s uh, that go out on our podcast and also as a YouTube as well. Speaking of YouTube, October 15th on this channel on YouTube, you will hear a new show that uh, Bill uh, kind of put together at KGRA Radio. He saw uh, some other people on different shows and said, hey, why don't we do this show together once a week? So October 15th on exclusively on this YouTube channel, uh, KGRA's uh, UAP Crossfire, Chris DiPerno, uh, Commander uh, Cobra. Uh, let's see who else we have. Oh, yes, Don Ecker, the one and only Don Ecker. He's been around the UFO topic since the 80s, and he's a, he's a real character. And uh, so also myself. And uh, we did a, a run yesterday, a pre-record yesterday, uh, just to see how things would go, and it was a blast. So I think you'll enjoy that. That's going to be on this YouTube channel on the 15th of, uh, of October. So another thing, I'll be up at Shag Harbor. I'm gonna be doing a talk up at Shag Harbor in Nova Scotia, and that that's this coming Sunday. And if you just happen, we do have some listeners up there. So uh, if you happen to be there, please say hi. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm gonna meet my friend, Dean Elioto. He's gonna be up there as well. Nick Pope and a few others, uh, Chris, uh, uh, Styles, who I really uh, appreciate and respect, a great UFO researcher. He's kind of helped put this thing together. And it's the anniversary of the Shag Harbor event. And so that should be uh, interesting. Well, without further ado, I'd like to bring in uh, my guest, Melissa. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. Now, Melissa, you have uh, you've been doing all kinds of things in the film industry going uh, back a while. You have your own company basically now, right? Yeah, I do. I know. It's, um, I always, I kind of forget. <laughs> it's kind of good to do these podcasts because people bring up shows I totally forgot about. Um, yeah, so I, I've done a lot of mainstream shows. And um, at one point I was head of content for Gaia. Um, I produced and wrote the first five seasons of Ancient Aliens, Hangar One, um, some other stuff. And then, uh, yeah, now I have my own company. Uh, so I can do more of this content the way I want to. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the thing to have control. That's the uh, uh, because once, yeah, you know, true. when you work with a lot of people, you can things can go not the way you may want. You th you think that should be the best way to do it. But when it's right. your own baby, you get all the responsibilities, but you get the, the perks to it as well. That is so, so true. That is so true. And that's one thing that Ben and I uh, from UFO Witness, we, we always talk about is that, you know, in some of these shows, even the ones we're on, um, you don't necessarily have as much control as it looks like you do. Um, and <clears throat> especially, I think, in this field, there's people that really know a lot about the field. And then there's people that are really good at producing. Those are two separate kinds of people. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel like with my company, I, I really like want to I want to merge both of those concepts together so that we can get content out there that um, reaches people and really does the job of good journalism. That's right. I mean, that's great. That's really great. And you have Code 12. You want to talk a little bit about that? What is that about? Sure. I, I tried um, to watch it. You can't. It's not streaming yet where you not can. Not yet. Yeah. Uh, a couple months, probably Amazon. 
Nice. I will definitely promote it. So I'm sorry, everybody listening, but but I hope tune in for a couple months. You can also check my website, uh, www.hathorstudios.com or Code 12, the movie. And there's definitely an air date that will go up there as soon as we have one. But yeah. um, Code 12, it, there's there's not really aliens involved per se. It is. Really, <laughs> oh, I know. Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it is a theory of mine and something I've been working on for quite some time, I'd say about 10 years plus. Uh, and it's really about the simulation theory. Uh, and aliens do play a part in that because if we are simulated, then the idea of alien beings would be simulated within our universe and existence. So it's uh, it's kind of a bigger deep dive on a code I discovered in not only ancient texts, but also everything that surrounds us. There's a lot of, I've heard that theory over the simulation theory many times over the years. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it does, everything does seem like so mysterious, you know, almost like that could be an answer to how all these things are happening that we can't explain. You know, I mean, so many unusual things. Plus, I really feel like we know very little. You know, we think we know a lot, but I feel as though we know very little of actually what's going on. I would agree with you. And I think the more we learn about the universe, the more we can figure out, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about aliens on this podcast, but the more we can figure out what is visiting us and these experiences people are having, we just, we have just such a limited knowledge of how things really work in the universe. And quantum physicists will tell you that, you know, every day there's a new article or a new discovery that scientists have discovered that doesn't really make mainstream. And that's just the science field of how they, these different things that they're figuring out how the universe works. So we're barely scratching the surface. The more we understand that, I think we're going to be able to figure out what's been happening to millions and millions of people all over the world. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I know that the quantum physics and it, the string theory and all that is just so mind boggling and entanglement and and all that, how entanglement works is just, you know, beyond what you can imagine, you know. And I, I wonder what I, if Einstein was alive today, what he would think about, you know, the, the discoveries when it comes to, you know, I mean, he always thought, I, I forget what he called it, spooky, something at a distance. Uh, he had spooky at a distance, yeah. Yeah, uh, whatever the term was. But I bet he would be fascinated uh, by the progress that has been made you know, since, and that's a very short time, actually, when you think of it on the scale of things. Mm -hmm. Now, what initially got you interested in kind of the esoteric, I guess I'd put it that way, to begin well, I with? I think everything is kind of woven together. I think once you start deep diving in one area, you realize that there's all these other areas and they kind of coincide at the same time, right? So if you're focused on aliens, if you really, really want to get to the bottom of it, all of a sudden you start opening other doors, right? Then you're watching um, ancient aliens and then you're diving into, you know, the Anunnaki. And then all of a sudden you find symbols from you know, England. And then you're like, Oh my God, you know, and then it unravels in some weird way. <laughs> uh, so you could just keep going into a rabbit hole, but I think the esoteric is passed down knowledge from ancient times. I think that there was definitely a point in our human history that we understood more of how the universe worked and, and something happened, right? There's many theories about this. There's some kind of cataclysm, um, flood, meteorite hits the planet, but something happened. We've, we we kind of went back in time as far as our knowledge that we understood how things worked. And, and there's lots of people who talk about this. So it's not my theory, yeah. uh, but I think that there was a lost knowledge and it doesn't have to be Atlantis per se, but it can't, it's this idea of how the universe works. And I think that's what the esoteric represents kind of a passed down lineage of people who held that knowledge. And then it got translated into other books and symbols um, so that we could figure it out. I mean, there's people that know what that means, but that's not like a mass populace understanding. You know, uh, a lot of times when we're, we always compare to ourselves, like we always throughout time, we always thought we were on the pinnacle of all knowledge. And, you know, but when you dig back into ancient times, the, the people were brilliant then, you know, and learned. And there was there were so many things that, you know, like you say, when they find this, uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called, that instrument that they found that was, I believe, 10,000 10, years old or something like that. A mechanical instrument that they found oh, embedded. Oh, is that the... Um, 
it's it's oh my god what is it called now they yeah they found it and nobody can actually report on it because one guy's locked up all the information it's the turning like the sundial thing right yeah what it might calculate what it might actually calculate is whatever it was it was brilliant and you know i mean there has there's always been i think once our brains developed i think there's been brilliant people you know doing amazing things over the years and you know, I mean, brain surgery in the Roman times, you know, I mean, things like that, you know, and, and <laughs> we, yeah, I know, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, I think it's all, used, it might some kind of Neuralink situation going on in the Roman times. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you yourself ever had any type of UFO sighting? No, isn't that weird? It's so no, odd it's to not. me. No, no, it's not at all. Um, as really? a matter of fact, there, okay. there's a lot of people that have an interest in this topic. You know, Stanton Friedman never had a UFO sighting. And, really? You know, I thought he did. Now. Nope, never had one. And, you know, Stephen Bassett, there's a bunch of them, a bunch of hmm. people who did. And then there's a few out there that claim they've had one after they said they didn't have one. <laughs> you oh, know, I mean, uh, so Night's I mean, try, trying to, trying to <laughs> puff up their uh, background somehow. I don't know if that's what that's about. But still, yeah. uh, you know, it's not not necessary at all to have a curiosity of it. I think I before I, I actually had a sighting in 2007, but before then, I had like a passing curiosity in the whole in the whole topic. I mean, I used to always uh, believe that you know it would be kind of impossible for us to be alone, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm st- still feeling that way. I, but the one thing I got to tell you after. I've done this show since um, well, it's coming up on twelve years now, and wow. I feel like I know less, uh, you know, about the topic than when I started. You know, basically, I don't know any more. Is what I should say. Maybe not less, but yeah, I I would I, agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a mystery, and you know, I just was talking about in the uh, monologue before I started about doing this UAP crossfire thing with with these three other guys. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, basically one of the questions came up was, uh, does the government actually know? I do believe that there's some part of our government that knows a lot, but I don't know if they know the whole picture. That's, that's how I feel about it. I may be wrong. You know, maybe they do know more or maybe they know less than that. But anyway. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think that, we can't just paint one group of people or profession by knowing everything because there's, if there really was the secret, not everybody would know it in an organization. And I think that's true. Yeah. Yep. And it's a way also the way things are, uh, there's the need to know thing and how mm-hmm. they can compartmentalize things and how they also can put things off into like a private entity with no government oversight. So I, I think that's kind of what's happened along the way. And then it's, you know, generationally passed down to whoever, you know, there was, I, I don't know if you ever heard about that. Uh, I forget the guy's name, Chase, I want to say, Chase Brandon, who supposedly had UF, uh, found a box name with a uh, Roswell on it when he was working for the government somehow. I don't know if you ever heard that story. No, I got, I've never heard this story. How could I have never heard this story, but he found a box. Oh, this is such a movie. I love it. It just says, it just says Roswell confidential, like in red pen. Jiggle the box, you know? Yeah. Some dead alien bodies in there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, there's still like, you know, Roswell, uh, you know, there's still such controversy about Roswell. And I, I don't know what to think about Roswell. There are some that have looked at it a long time. And uh, is that something you've ever looked into at all? And what are some I of the cases you've into? I didn't deep dive into it. Like some people have made it their life's passion to really figure yeah. out what happened at Roswell. Um, and we have to thank those people because they've done all the legwork, I think, to kind of connect the dots or what the how many dots we know now. But, but I think... <clears throat> Like one of the things that I I always get this question and sometimes the question, this question comes to me to people who like don't believe in aliens and they're like, well, how do you know if somebody's telling the truth or not? And, and I said, and I always tell them in every story, no matter how crazy it is or how much I don't want to trust this person because of some demeanor they have that, you know, I'm picking up as a journalist, 
there's always a grain of truth in the story. What that grain of truth is, is your job as a journalist to figure out at a neutral level. And sometimes figuring out what that truth is, isn't necessarily figuring out if, if the alien part of the story is real. What, what made, what, what, what part of the story of what they're telling has relevancy. And once you can go from there, then you can figure out the truth of the story. And I think something definitely happened at Roswell. And I think that 100% people that aren't into aliens would tell you something happened at Roswell. What that is, is up for debate. Um, I personally don't think it was a weather balloon, but but I do think something happened. And whether that was a top secret project or it was aliens, something 100% happened and it is still being kept under wraps. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned Stanton Friedman just a minute ago, and he he used to say that he he was on the show at least a dozen times. He was such a great guy. Uh, he used to say that the government lied five times about Roswell, and he that he could prove that they lied five times about Roswell. But but whether it had to do with some you know secret military situation or whatever, you know, that's that's up for debate. Um, one of the shows that I've had recently that um, I was really happy to do was uh, with someone that was very, very stressed when I interviewed him. And I wasn't prepared for it at all uh, because mm -hmm. I had many, many conversations with him. His name is Jonathan Wigand, who was on uh, the show a few weeks ago. And it was about a Peruvian situation. It was only mm -hmm. the second time uh, a crash that he happened uh, upon when he was in the Marines. It's only the second time he's ever talked about it. And, uh, you know, when he got up in front of the, uh, when I turned the lights on, he said, move the lights away. You know, like he felt like he was being interrogated. So I had, it's a little bit of a dark room that he's in. Um, but anyway, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that he was telling the truth through that whole thing. And it's a spectacular story. Is it, the, is it what's happening in Peru right now with the, uh, the nope. face peelers? It's totally, totally unrelated. It happened in 1997. Wow. Um, but it, it is something that he, you know, I've tried to hook him up to like, you should, you know, try this whistleblower thing. You know, you, mm -hmm. you really, and he says he does not trust the government. He does not want to talk to anyone about it. He, he had journalists that wanted, they were getting a hold of me that wanted to talk to him, write a story. Nope. I don't, I don't trust journalists. They twist stories. It was like, and uh, they said, well, well you're kind of a you. journalist interviewing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was, I thought, you know, he, he kind of clammed up during the interview. It was really tough. I wasn't prepared for it, but, uh, but it was still, what I'm getting at is, you know, you mentioned about the truth mm -hmm. um, there. I, I don't have a single doubt that, that he was telling the truth the whole time and it, and it pained him and you could see it. Yeah. You know, he did not want to talk about it. Yeah. So, so anyway, what are some of the cases that you've actually looked into when it comes to the UFO uh, world? Um, let's see. I, you know, I haven't spent a lot of times with the famous ones. I mean, a lot of the oh, stuff that's that we, good. yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I like you know what? I like the other ones. This, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think a lot of the UFO witness uh, ones were definitely a combination of Ben and I um, of our interests on on certain subjects. And um, you know, I it's crazy. I, I think I, I always wanted to cover Skinwalker Ranch, but after mm -hmm. uh, Ben and I spent all this time at this this ranch that was supposed to be similar activity to Skinwalker in Arkansas. Um, oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, he probably I talked didn't, about it. I didn't it. see the episode though. Oh yeah, it was it's it's it was his contact. He had been working it for a really really long time, and they had never let anybody on their property. But they were having all of this kind of I'll just say Skinwalker Ranch type activity. Um, you know everything: cryptids, uh, ghosts, demons, aliens. You know, like everything, just kind of coming through. Um, and after spending all that time out there, I was like maybe I switch my focus to other cases, <laughs> you know, it, cause it's, it's totally on the body. And then, and then I don't know if you've ever read hitchhikers in the Pentagon. Um, but like, that's all about. Soldiers. Oh, oh yes. I think I had that person on the uh, show. Well, who, who wrote that? Well, there was, there's two, 
two soldiers, um, special forces guys, and then uh, George Knapp and the other guy that I cannot remember his name. But I don't think the special forces guys have come out unless they've come out recently. Uh, they're they're kind of nicknamed in the book to to keep their identity. But they, but one of the things that they talk about, and I'll get to the point of of why I'm saying what I'm saying, is that they they reported bringing bringing back entities that then haunted their family and attached themselves to their lives and the people that they loved. Um, and it took a really long time for them to get rid of them. So mm. some of the things that I feel in some of these places, um, that effect does happen. And so you just have to be really careful. I, I think for me, the investigation part of um, the kind of cases where humans not just places that are just completely have some kind of crazy vortex energy like Skinwalker Ranch, but places where people have multiple people have experienced seeing a UFO, um, being abducted, having uh, conversations, whether uh, subconsciously or consciously with other entities. Those are the places, those are the places that I like going to because I really wanna figure out, is it the location? Is it the people, some kind of genetic code? Uh, or is it in the right place, the right time somehow passing through? Because I think that those create patterns in the data that's been collected for the last 50, 60 years of, of why they're coming here and, um, and how they're coming here. And so those are the kind of things that I'm, I'm more interested in, even if it's a smaller story, as long as there's multiple stories, multiple people having somewhat of the same experience, uh, that to me creates more of a data pattern than just a one-off. Well, I'll tell you that that whole hitchhiker thing is kind of scary to me. Yes. <clears throat> and I've heard yes, a lot totally of people talk scary. about it. I'm like, I don't want to bring yeah. people, you know, living people in flesh and blood are are enough work. Like bringing something home in another dimension is, is yeah. just like another, you know, cherry on top of all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One well, you don't want to deal with. Yeah. Um, I know that when I spoke to, you know, the, Brandon Fugel and the others at, uh, you know, the Skinwalker Ranch, they say that that happens there as well, that some people have left and brought things with them. And yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I had thought about, I, I had an invitation to go there and, um, and, but I had to shore it up with the uh, agency and all that, that does the, uh, all the press work for them. And it had to go around their filming and all that type of stuff. But I, I still think I probably go, my producer and I would probably still go if we had the chance. I think, I think I'd chance it. Yeah. <laughs> because a, a lot of people go there and you know, you don't hear about it too much, but it does. I mean, I think there is something to that. I mean, enough people talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely there. I, I think there, but it's not just that location, Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch obviously has been written about, and there's a lot of uh, case studies done about it, but there's lots of other people that have, um, similar, you know, even if places that are harmless, you know, seemingly harmless, uh, like Sedona, right? There's tons of alien activity mm -hmm. out there. There's tons of weird spirit stuff and vortex stuff and missing time. But people report stuff happening to them afterwards, whether it's good or bad. So I think it's in this field. That's one thing I've become really sensitive to that, that um, in the world of investigation, who's deciding what what thoughts are coming into my head and being really clear and staying really neutral, not trying to believe anything too much. And then what am I bringing home? You know, cause uh, this is a totally different kind of work. Bringing, bringing your work home with you is, is another level. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Now uh, speculate, I'm asking to you to speculate here, but, mm -hmm. and I've, I've asked this of a number of people over the years, why, would you think there are places like Skinwalker Rancher or hot spots in general? You know, maybe perhaps there's a lot of Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania in the area. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there's a lot of UFOs in this area and they repeated the same UFO comes over and over again. I mean, it's so bizarre. And I'm just wondering your speculation of why do you think there's these spots and areas that people can go to and actually see something happen? Well, I think spots like this have existed since the beginning of humanity. And we know that because we keep finding stone circles and markings that are older and older and older. And those spots are always in places uh, where there's some kind of energy there uh, 
no, I'm not saying Stonehenge is filled with Bigfoots and, um, and, you know, cryptids and all sorts of stuff, but there is some energy there. So humans have been marking spots with energy, uh, whether it's negative or positive. And so that leads me to believe, I mean, of course, this gets into some realms of pseudoscience, but that there are um, pseudoscience only to people who, who are really strict on what science is, but there are nodes on the planet. That is something we do know. Uh, and in those structures or nodes uh, around the planet, there are different uh, ley lines and uh, telluric lines that cross over each other. So the theory is that when telluric lines, which are circular underneath the earth and the ley lines that are on top come together, then there's some kind of portal that, that opens and portal of course is a pseudoscience form. But I believe there's a lot of validity to that because um, since ancient times, the same places have had alien activity weird creatures, uh, ghosts, ancestors, all that kind of stuff. So I, I really think that there's places on this earth that time and dimensions are th very thin and things can cross through. And I don't even think they're intentional sometimes. I mean, if you're walking in your backyard and you didn't know that, that there was a, a thinning of dimensions and you were just walking to the end of your backyard and somehow you ended up somewhere else. I mean, sometimes that's how I feel about the whole Bigfoot sightings. <laughs> they're like, crossing over into, into our dimension uh, and then crossing back over and cause you know, crossing back over into whatever dimension they are in or, or even alien sightings. Right. So um, I think, uh, I think that that word has a lot of stigmatism in our, in our, in our practice. You know, when you say the word portal, it's a negative thing. Like you believe in all of this hoopla, but, but there's no other way to explain it there's some kind of energy field, some kind of thinning of the dimensions of time and space that seem to be happening and they're happening for thousands of years. So that kind of makes the most sense in explaining what could be happening in these places. Mm. Also, so, I'll, I'll put one more thing into ahead. that. Sure. I'll put one more thing into the telluric line ley line th situation is that a lot of some of these places, it's the geology makeup of the rock and the minerals that somehow hold some kind of frequency or power uh, also running water underneath the earth. So if you have a mixture of certain minerals, uh, quartz uh, or, or any uh, copper or silver, you know, any kind of anything could be laid in the rock and then you have running water underneath, you've already created some kind of vortexal energy, whether you believe in portals or not, the energy in that location has changed. So that's a that's also a good indication. Uh, when you go, when I go to some of these places, I do ask or I do read about like what's up what's up with the actual land below me. Is there some a unique mineral property that these things could be happening because of? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of speculation that goes along with the geology, like you mentioned, um, Brown Mountain. A lot of things happen there, mm -hmm. uh, and that's the high copper content. There seems copper seems to be something you hear about a lot, which I think is pretty interesting. And uh, as far as the Bigfoot being interdimensional, you know, <laughs> it's possible because it seems like it would certainly answer a lot of the things that can't be answered of uh, the showing up and the going away and the uh, never seeing any signs of, you know, skeletals uh, remains or anything like that. You know, I mean, uh, who knows? Um, you know, you, you get you watch the Patterson Gimlet, I think that's what it's called, film, and they dissected that thing all the way through and studied it and looked at the uh, anatomy and it looks, it does not look human, you know, it doesn't look like someone in a costume. So I think that's, you know, it, it seems like when we had that film all the way back in the 1960s, that there should be something better by now. You would think so with all the people that claim they see Bigfoot. Yeah. But yeah. That's just you another. I think so. But, um, and you know, here's the thing. I don't, the, there's not a lot of places on the earth that are completely unpopulated. I mean, there's definitely wooded areas in, in the United States that are thicker and have more coverage, but they're not completely off the grid. You know, there's a couple places, but not that many. Um, so they couldn't necessarily, I feel like they couldn't necessarily like live without being undetected completely unless they could go in between time and space. Now we're speculating. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, well, 
I, I disagree a little bit with you. I've done a lot of flying in, in, uh, uh, over unpopulated areas in the United States, and this seems to be quite a bit. Um, but um, And there was also, I don't know if you ever heard about this, it's really a spectacular thing. A guy left Massachusetts. He went up by the Allagash and Maine, which is, you know, lots and lots of woods and, and lakes and things like that. He lived over 20 years without being detected and like a hermit, you know, type of situation before wow. he finally came out of the woods. Um, so I think people can, if they want to stay or, or animals or whatever they could. Uh, but you know, there's always hunters. There's always some way someone could come across something. Here's a, a question. Uh, I don't believe the spelling is right, but what exactly okay. is a ley line? Someone wants to know. So ley line is a straight, <clears throat> is a straight energetic point that kind of connects two nodes. Uh, so um, if you if you can imagine, um, try to explain. So uh, a ley line is an energetic structure on the surface of the ground. So it has nothing to do with water. It's a it's an energetic point that connects another point. Uh, we have them all over. Any, but any structure, even your in your land, if you have two acres, you'll have like a bunch of ley lines that connect points. Telluric lines are the circular ones run by water underneath the ground. So these are just kind of inner uh, ley lines are strong energetic currents that are picked up by certain devices that um, that are straight and they run right across from point A to point B, wherever that may be. That's what a ley line is on the surface of the ground. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so when you were with Ben, now I watched some of the shows uh, and that you and Ben did, but what do you think was, besides that Arkansas case, what were some of the ones that really stood out to you that you, you two investigated? Um, so when we were in Idaho, in, um, oh my God, I'm going to murder the name of that lake. <laughs> it's a... Better it's than like the I can see thing. the spelling yeah. in my in my head, but it's it's French. It's um, uh, okay. Well, I'll think about it, tell the story. But uh, it's a very it's a very it's one of I think it's the seventh deepest lake in the United States, and they have a lot of UFO activity. I, I literally want to call it Lake Ponderosa, but that is not what it's called. <laughs> it's like. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about it in my head. Uh, I had never been up there and, and the people we interviewed were, it was so unique because they had, they definitely had like a native here. We, here again, we have thousands of years of native American stories of, of entities or, um, they, you know, they, they would call them, um, you know, they had them marked as bears, you know, so that they would have the stories of, of, of bears and, and coming of humans and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, they they marked all over the lake certain spots that were really important. Now I now there's two parts of the story. I think that the Native Americans were marking really important parts of their heritage, um, but there was also stories of of weird things that would happen in the sky. So then we started interviewing modern day stories, and there were um, submersible uh, alien vehicles that would that would fly across the sky and then drop slowly. Uh, into the water, like we have seen with some of those Navy videos. Um, hmm. And then there was all sorts of like lights in the sky. Um, one woman uh, had kind of an abduction experience where she was seeing all those lights in the sky for several months. She'd be driving home and she felt like she was being followed. And then um, they tried to get her. They, they had, she had an experience where they uh, little grays came into her room and then they tried to take her out of bed, but somehow she escaped. It didn't happen. Um, there's just so much stuff happening in this tiny little town in Idaho that surrounds this lake. Now the lake itself, uh, the lake itself uh, is really unique because the Navy actually has a um, testing ground there for submarines because it's so deep. And there's said to be all these caverns uh, that connect to other big lakes in Idaho and over the border. So you get into all of this underground uh, kind of uh, underground alien situation, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Wow. And what are, do you have a couple of other ones that, um, and did you, did you stay primarily in this country? You didn't go overseas, right? No, God, we wanted to. There's so many cool things overseas. There's just, yeah. there, 
you know, producers. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, there's just too much to see. Yeah, um, we also did this ranch in uh, Colorado where there was uh, cow mutilations. That place was super oh, yeah. spooky. It, it, uh, we actually had all of our equipment going off the charts completely. And, and then it wow. got really rhythmic. It was every 13 seconds, like it would just pop. One, wow. two, three, four, but stop. 13 seconds and then it would start again. It was, it was, it was crazy. And um, the owner of the property said that, okay, so there's, it's, I think it's like 500 acres or something like that. And what divides the property, so he's got cows on both sides of a road, like a pretty decent sized highway, not, not major, but pretty decent sized highway. And he said that like, and I could feel it because the, this whole area, you, just there's just energy like surging through. And we were in there like midnight or something. He said that there would be cows that would be flipped upside down that would be in this highway and people would get in crashes, like their cars would be flipped. So some kind of energy seems to be running through this property kind of in a destructive way, whether it's his cattle or just people driving and their cars are flipped over while they're driving. It's pretty insane. It was, yeah, that was that was an interesting case. Wow, that's amazing. And what was this? Uh, what side of the Rockies was this in Colorado? Was it the western side or eastern side? Ah, oh, yes. Okay, right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, boy, uh, I lived there, uh, you know, back in the 70s in not Colorado Springs, but in, uh, you know, up toward Boulder in, uh, uh, you know, back before I was interested in the UFOs, but I saw a, a pretty good uh, meteorite out there. It was the first one I saw in my life and it scared the heck out of me. But uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, in uh, Colorado? Yeah, in Colorado. I lived wow. out there years yeah. ago. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on out there. That is for sure. Yeah. I used to live there too. Yeah. So I'm going to... I'm going to try uh, the phone. We haven't had access to the phone forever because uh, working with Bill, I have uh, working with Chanel, Chanel right now over at KGRA Radio. She'll be answering the phone. And I'd like to pop that number up here if anyone would like to call in for our guests. And uh, if the KGRA call-in number is 855-472-5483. And I think it's been well over a year since the phone system fried in New York with Bill. So I'd love to have uh, someone call in that number. And uh, uh, Chanel is standing by at KGRA Radio. <clears throat> so that'll be fun to actually have a call in. It's been a while, like I said. And I used to do call in shows here, and a lot of people really participated. So now that I have this access, I, think it's I, fun. Might, I might do that. Yeah. Especially if my guest doesn't show up, I'll do a call in show. <laughs> that can happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is bizarre. I didn't realize that you did other things like the cattle mutilations. And that's such a, you know, mm -hmm. Chris O'Brien is a friend of mine. He's, uh, he has written the, uh, the probably one of the best books on the su subject of cattle mutilations. He's still getting <clears throat> calls all over the country. So it hasn't let up any, it's still happening a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it says, did you actually see an, a mutilation? Uh, yes, there was a cow that that's where that's why we went out there. We went out to, to kind of do some tests on the cow that was found. And it was it didn't just happen. It was a very it, it was it, you know, it was mostly bone. There was some skin on it and stuff. But but it definitely um, was very odd and strange. Uh, you know, <clears throat> there there are things that I've come across where my mind prepares me for it. Like, okay, you know, but I'm here to look at it and, and come up with an assessment. Right. Uh, and, and, and really take my emotions out of it. Um, but there's a moment where you're like, what is that? Like, what, like, wh like there's just no explanation. I, I did a, a, a show for A&E and, and I, don't, I don't know how they aired this, but it was uh, on the first 48 hours of a murder. And um, it was on the it was on the side of the corner, the corner trying to solve like what happened to this person. Right. Uh, which I mean, so if you think about it, we're filming dead bodies in a in a corner and there's nothing that can really like prepare you for that, except for you're like, OK, this is a show. Everybody's got to do their job. Nothing's happening here. Right. <laughs> so that you can get it done. But um, 
you know, afterwards you, you think about that and you're like, what just happened? But when I was mm. there and you're looking at something that is mutilated in such a way that your mind cannot wrap your head around why it happens, there's a moment where you're like, what is this? Yeah. It, you know, even in a journalistic state, you're like, what is like, what is this? <laughs> what, what has happened yeah. here? Like, who did this and how? I didn't realize that you reacted so quickly to like a situation that happened. Like this happened and you to jump on a plane and you go to Colorado to, to investigate that. That's the whole thing, that whole, any type of situation like that, that Ben has done over the years, sounds like a dream job to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe take mm -hmm. away from your family or whatever, but still, uh, we actually have uh, someone on the line now. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, Paul from Milford, Connecticut, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being uh, the first caller in about, I don't know, maybe two years. Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> being on the air, Martin. Yeah. How, how are you, Paul? Quick. Uh, I, think, I think the thing you were looking for before was the Antikythera mechanism from Greece. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. The, yeah. uh, like uh, it has all the dials and the uh, calculations. The gears. Also. Yeah. Astronomy, yep. solar, yeah. And Melissa, would you want another broadcast with talking about uh, Maria, the, the Peruvian? Yes, I was wondering when someone was going to bring up the mummies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my answer off the air, but I'd love to hear more about that. Yes. Um, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Uh, this is such a hotly debated thing right now. Um, so this is such a, a long answer to a short question. So I'm trying to make it short just to talk about Maria. So the bodies that were revealed in Mexico, uh, they were discovered back in 2017, and I worked on that case. Um, Maria is not one of those bodies that were brought up in that Mexican congressional hearing. Maria is a was a body that was found alongside uh, those smaller bodies that he presented. So Maria, well, if she was standing up, would probably be about five seven. She had an elongated skull. She had the three fingers and the three toes. Um, for the most part, her human, uh, her body was uh, mostly human, uh, her torso, um, but her head was definitely different and then her fingers and toes. Um, she also had some strange ear holes that like she didn't that she didn't have the same mechanism of hearing that 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 we do now maria was really interested uh this is this could be the whole podcast we can talk about these mummies but maria was really interesting to me because we spent the most time on trying to figure out if somebody had manipulated the body uh and if they did how did they do it and number two if it wasn't manipulated what was it and um there was lots of genetic genetic testing done from different parts of the body, um, from different parts of the hand, from different parts of the feet, from different parts of all sorts of, but there's still skin on the body, uh, whatever it was. Um, there, there she is. Um, and the white powder on the outside is diatomaceous earth. Now diatomaceous earth, you can find anywhere. You can buy it at Walmart. People ingest it for parasites. You can put it out in your garden. Um, but this, this certain makeup of diatomaceous earth was specifically traced to the Nazca region where they apparently found the bodies. Now the cave is up for debate. They later took us to the cave, but I don't know if it's the right cave. You know, the whole, a lot of these people involved are pretty dodgy. Uh, so you know, this is why this story is such a mess. But, um, but Maria's genetic material uh, was really interesting. And it took about a year for it to be gathered from a lab. There was a lab in Canada that we were working with. There was a lab in Mexico and there was a lab in Russia. There was, they were all doing separate tests. Uh, and we were asking one question, right? So you can, you, you really got to be, we, 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 when you're asking one question, what do you, you, know, you have to figure out where you're trying to get, because you have, you only have a certain amount of material. And we wanted to know how much of this genetic material was of modern day human. And it came back 25% uh, matched some kind of human DNA, but it didn't match anything in the human genome project. So either 
there's DNA that we haven't gathered. Uh, and of course, the Human Genome Project, I don't think includes Neanderthal or Denisovan or any of that. That's a whole different kind of DNA test. So it could have been some of that. Um, and it, we also stripped it of bacteria and mold uh, and any non-biological uh, uh, it, stuff, right? So that also takes a long time to kind of strip that away to kind of see where we're at with the DNA markers. There was some, uh, I believe in the Mexico DNA, uh, there was some kind of bovine uh, DNA included. Um, but one of the things is that I can say, and I, I'm not here to say that they're real or not, even though I was involved, I saw them, I, you know, I got to touch them. <laughs> Uh, like I, I was, I went down there several times. I had to deal deal with very dodgy characters, uh, and and people that are not trustworthy. So that you know that makes the story into some other some other situation. But I can say that if somebody made these bodies, because there's a level of CAT scans and uh, tomography that we did, and we had specialists look at it, and they couldn't figure out where the cut marks were for them to create the fingers and the toes. Uh, or even the head to, for it to be elongated. If somebody created this, they, I want to know who they are because they are mass. They are not some some just worker in a factory making those little dolls that they're selling right now in Peru that look like the ones that are in the Mexico congressional hearing. However, they did this. It's it's masterful. They should they should. I don't know how they they did it. There's lots of theories online. I've researched most of them, um, and I have not found a conclusion yet. I'm not saying they're real. Uh, I'm just saying who, if somebody made these, they're pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm not talking yeah, about the should... congressional here, and I am only speaking about Maria. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I put up this. Someone made this great little video of uh, the alien in the, at the Mexico hearing congressional hearing uh that it was they made a cake out of it i don't know if you saw that oh that was, i did i did it looked delicious yeah it looked like a i know that cake. was that was pretty funny uh, <laughs> yeah it, it, um, you know unfortunately there are some characters in this field that can cause a lot of problems and i'm going to just leave it at that because this is uh, this is no, true. no need to no need to speak any more about that but um yeah. we do have another caller on the line Mm -hmm. And I'm looking, this is David from Oregon. David, welcome to the show. David, you're there. Yes, I am. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're hey. here waiting for, uh, Melissa's here uh, waiting for your question. Um, and I've got an wing, so speak. It is right back. So it's. Okay. We're not, we're not getting a clear. We're not getting. A, I'm sorry. We're not getting a. Are. You, could you repeat that real quickly? Uh, let's see. If, yeah, I. Go come back to me. Oh gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not. A, it's not a good line. I'm sorry about that. Uh, sorry about that. Um, I feel like he yeah, was on Mars or something. <laughs> I think he might have been. <laughs> uh, or the the backside of the moon, as they call it. Maybe but he yeah. can call in to um to KGR KGRA and give them this question. They can tell us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think we have a. Looks like we have another one more caller. Is that right over there? Uh, William from well, I am known for my glitches, William. We have William on the line. I don't know where he's from. I'll say hi to him, William. Uh, Hello. Right Welcome to the hi. show, William. Thank you. Um, hi, I'm calling from Oakland, California. And oh, hey, the lake that Melissa was talking about is called Lake Penn or, or, or um, I guess, O'Reilly. Is that so? Maybe. Um, yeah, uh, it's French, though. Uh, <laughs> my. Wait, hold on, hold on. I, now I have to Google it. But I lit all I want to say in my head is Lake Ponderosa, and that's not correct. <laughs> It's Lake, um, okay, Idaho, deepest lake. Hold on. So, uh, so have William, you do there? you have another? Have you been there? I do. I was wondering um, if UFO Witness was Ponderay. It's Ponderay. And, uh, lake Ponderay. Also, has anyone considered that the UAP, uh, quote, threat may not be towards the everyday human being, but uh, to the established establishment of governmental control over the people? I mean, who would pay taxes if uh, 
if we knew they couldn't protect us at all, right? Hmm. That that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I think the conversation of aliens being good or bad is 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 pretty debated right now. I I, I try to stay neutral in it because I don't think we're going to really find any answers if we try to paint them as such. I know a lot of the mainstream shows that I'm involved in really like to to suggest that they're coming to hurt us. Um, and, uh, I do think that we should be aware of, of, of what their capabilities are. I mean, even Michio Kaku, who I interviewed, who's a famous quantum physicist said, you know, they're dangerous because we as humans don't understand how, how they work and how they're able to function in the universe. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can get on board with the idea that they're coming to save us. Um, but but they are seeming to show power, right? They're seeming they, they they the cases with the military are this: they're shutting down our nuclear power weapons. They're not blowing them up. They're not using them on us. They're just saying we can do this, right? So what mm. are they trying to really show us? They're zipping past our cameras and they're like, "We look, you can see us. This is what we're doing. This is what we're capable of." The question would be, why? Is it is it the um, is it because they're the the military is able to continue that story or you know I don't know I just can't get on board with the fact that they're they're doing it for nefarious for purposes completely I think that we as humans are becoming more conscious and aware of things and we are starting to wrap our head around uh, beings existing in, in the universe and we are being able to see things that we never could see before and I don't think the government or the military can keep a cap on that I think that people are too interested. And so things are getting out and they're trying to come up with stories for things. And uh, I'm not sure if, if they can keep up with all the information. That's right. I can't believe how fast this hour went by. Uh, but thank you so much, Melissa. It's been a real pleasure talking to you this evening. Okay. And, Is that it? And I'm, oh yeah, they went by fast. The hour went <laughs> by fast. So uh, I will put your information all in the show notes. Anyone can find your website and all that. Uh, you can okay. find all that information in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much. Okay, great. Awesome. Uh, okay. Take care all now. Right. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right, everyone. So we'll be back with uh, Jim Quirk uh, next week. See you at the same time. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky. <laughs>